1: Do you have a quick second I can ask you a question On your lunch break About money Okay Can I ask you a question About money while you're walking Quick question for you About money Ma'am This is a very nice coat You're wearing Thank you Stick together guys Stay close Stick together But you live down here
0: Yes I do Yes. You
1: can't be poor To live down here No No I mean you're probably making <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> How much do you make a year <laughs> How much money Do you make a year Sir, do you work at the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah. Are you a very, very wealthy businessman? No. How much do you make? Uh, I'm not going to say that. Oh, Dude, how much do you give? I don't give anything because I have student loans to pay off. The Lincoln Memorial, people. The Lincoln Memorial. I never thought I'd see it. Give me a number. How much did you give last year?
0: About fifteen hundred dollars.
1: I don't know. Hundred dollars? Hundred bucks? I gave a dollar to a homeless man once. One dollar. So that would be and like point zero 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 four percent of what you made. Probably. I probably give away about fifteen percent of my income. Like five percent.
0: Maybe two. I don't know.
1: Two percent? Yeah. About a quarter. Twenty-five percent? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow, that's very generous. Yeah. Are you wealthy? No.
0: Well, I donated, like, clothes
1: to the homeless and... Careful. Look out. Excuse me, sir. Woo! Are you familiar with the tithe? 10%. Yep. Every check that you make, like, you're supposed to give 10%. It's basically giving what you have back to God. You just came out of a church. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you know what tithing is? No. Come on, baby. No big deal. Little spin move here. Inside out, backwards and spinning it, baby. One leg. Oh. Say you only make $10,000 a year or something. Should you still give 10%? I would say it depends on your priorities. Doesn't leave you a whole lot with food. The number one priority before anything is you get your paycheck and you give 10%, and then you do your, your bills, awesome. things like that. I think that's awesome. I'll try to lead, you just follow. And, right under, back around, be right under. I'm okay. How much money do you make a year? It's, it's really hard to, to say. 20 million. 20 million? Two million, how much again?
0: 20 million.
1: A year? Yes. Wow, are you a generous man with, with that money?
0: No. Not
1: at all. You're not? Do you wish you were more generous? No. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you.
0: Bye. Thank Bye. you. All right. Let's give it up for Nick in New York. How many enjoyed that? We've got one of those each week. Nick was in New York having a little fun. I'm just saying. And how many can you just look at that guy? $20 million. And he's not generous at all, and he's not even guilty. He's like, no, no, I don't, I'm not. I don't even feel guilty about it. And uh, maybe that's just too far for us to think about making twenty million dollars. So here's what I want to do: let's do this here at our campus. Pastor Justin's going to pick five people, and we're going to find out how much you make and how much you give. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like I am so on. Edina campus just evacuated the building. All right. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Uh. Oh man. We're going to talk about money though. It's a really big deal. It really is. And um, every year we talk about it and honestly I can tell you I look forward to this. I I look forward to talking about it because I believe in it. I believe the biblical principles are right. I believe God is our source. I believe that there's so much good that will happen in your life. I really believe that. When you start obeying God, the best benefits are in your life for you. And you say, well, doesn't the church benefit? Well, the church does benefit, but I want to tell you this. We are in a position of strength. And as I stand here before you, I can tell you something so confidently. We are in a position of strength as a church. We have two months income in reserve, which is good financial principles. We had the best year of giving last year. It was incredible. We had our best year of kingdom builders. We gave away more money than any other year in the history of our church. We led the area and the nation in certain missions giving. It was incredible to see what God has done. We are in a position of strength. Now, we weren't always there. Four years ago we were living like check to check and all of a sudden God has transformed our church, transformed our leadership principles and we're in a position of strength. And I tell you that just to put it in context. So there's no like, hey, if we don't give, we're all in big trouble. That's not the case. And I I had one guy come up to me and he goes, that's like reverse psychology. You're just trying to say that so we give more. I said, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to give you context, okay? Nobody's trying to trick you uh, and we'll love you no matter what you do, but I want you to understand what the word of God says and how you can take care of this better. I want to let you know that we call this uh, series liquid, okay? We're looking for a term, and, you know, how many have heard, like, how liquid is your cash or what's your liquidity? Uh, you, you hear about cash flow, and that made me think of rivers, and we hear about cash reserves. That made me think about lakes and reservoirs. You're, there's a term saying, I make it rain. I can make money fall, you know? <laughs> we don't have money. How many know when you don't have money, it feels like a drought, You know, when you don't have money, it feels like a drought. How many know when you get so much money at one time, it feels like a flood? And sometimes when people get too much at one moment, it's like a flood and they don't even know, and the money disappears. They don't even know what happened to it, and they waste all sorts of money when it comes too quick. Some of you are like, I would like that flood. Let it rain. (laughs) Let it rain right here. (laughs) But here's the thing when we talk about money, some people get nervous, some people get excited. Some people get convicted, and some people, unfortunately, get angry. I will get people, they get angry, and they, they'll walk out, they'll send me emails, they'll get mad, they'll say the church is all about the money, and just to let you know, we only talk about money in a series, in a three-week series every year. We do it every year just to talk about it, because it's so important, and it really shows where our heart is. I tell you that it just makes me sad when people get angry and they walk away almost like the rich young ruler because I I feel that for many, money is the obstacle that's standing in their way of really connecting with God. So don't get angry with me. Listen to what the word of God says and, and, and realize, here's the thing you need to realize. Every one of us will part with our money. Every one of us will part with it all someday. You cannot take it with you. So if you can't keep it forever, why not figure out how to take care of it now, how to handle it now? Why not hear a well done for the way that you handled the money rather than being stingy and hearing that you could have done so much more that God had a better way for you? Now with money, it's, it's said, the experts have told us that 80% of Americans worry about money all the time. It's a constant conversation about resources and where's it coming from and what are we gonna do? 70% of American households live check to check and that's not a good way to live. And we have tools that we can help you so that you can build reserve funds and different things. We have classes, we'll talk about those. Consumer credit card debt is nearing $2.8 trillion. And financial troubles are listed as the primary reason in most divorces. And so think about this. What if we could handle our money better And save marriages. I mean, think about that. If something as simple as handling money better would help us to save marriages, why not do it? Crime, the top two reasons that they say motivate crime uh, in America is money and sex. And money outdoes sex four times as much. Police will even say, follow the money. Because really, money is a really big deal. So we're gonna talk about that in this series. And I, I want you to mature. And if you've noticed, for the whole year, We're talking about our congregation maturing and moving forward. And if you missed a sermon that we did on the weekend of January 19th, you need to watch that. You need to be brought up to speed. Go online to our website, click on the media uh, link, and watch that sermon. Because I talked about four chairs, and I talked about the infant, the child, the young adult, and the mature adult. We talked about people, we want you to move in that process and be mature to let God do his perfect work in you. But let me just develop a little bit more about money with each of those chairs. Now the infant, those that just come to find Jesus as their savior, or what I would say, those that are in the labor pains of discovering Christ. Maybe you're on the road and you're, you're so close to making that faith decision. We're glad you're at this church and we expect you. I pray that 20% of our congregation every week that comes to church is in the process because that means people that are mature believers are inviting people to come on the journey with them. And if you're here, we're very sensitive about money. You'll even notice that at the offering, many times we'll say, hey, if you're new to this or you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the offering's not for you. This is for those that call River Valley Church their home to give because we know that money can stand in the way of people that are on the way. Very rarely does somebody give their life to Jesus Christ and then immediately start talking about money. It's very rare that people immediately, just immediately give their life to Jesus Christ and then talk about it. But we do have one example in Luke 19. In Luke 19, there's a guy by the name of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. And the Bible says, as soon as he's like right with God, he's like, Jesus, here is my money I give it and if I've ripped anybody off And I know I have I pay them back four times as much And Jesus is like, today Salvation has come into this house Okay, but that's usually rare It's usually not where people are like I'm going to church, I can't wait to get my money in order It's not usually what's there Now, here's what happens though Once someone gives their life to Jesus Somewhere in the process as a spiritual child They start to hear about money They start to hear about this. They start hearing things. And I've even had people come in and say, talk to me about this tithy thing. And I'm like, tithy? And they're like, yeah, the tithy, the 10% tithy. I'm like, oh, the E is silent. It's tithe, all right? Just, it's good, it's good, it's tithe. And they're like, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. And and we'll tell them like, here's what it means and here's what it does and here's where God. And they're like, great. Some of them are like that. And I love that when spiritual children are like, if that's what God wants, I'm in. But how many know that the seeds of stingy, And a lot of us, and we hear that, we're like, wait a minute. He wants what? This is my money. How many of you know, it's just like raising a real child, you know? You're like, hey, share your cookies with your friend. Uh Uh-uh. You're like, no, share your cookie with a friend. And then you give him a little piece, and you're like... (laughs) Break it in half and give them the bigger half. You know, how many know that it's like in the natural world, you have to do that with kids. Now, some kids are just like, they give it all away. And you're like, where's your cookies? I gave them all away. I got nothing. You know, you're like, all right, we'll work on that. Yeah. (laughs) Our kids were like that. Connor and Logan, when they heard about generosity and God loves a cheerful giver, they're like, we'll give it all. And I'm like, that is awesome. But we'll work on that because mom and dad don't want to support you forever. All right. So, but I, Really, honestly, how many would rather take somebody from 100% and try to help them to understand rather than try to move them from 1% and try to move? So it's just something that happens, and we're just thankful that children hear about it, and we have to fight against so many having that seed of stingy that's in there so early. Now, the young adult starts to hear about this, and the young adult Christian does this. If it's 10%, I'll give 10%. I'll give exactly 10%. And the young adult will say, if it's 10, I'm doing 10, I'm going to be obedient. And my tithe is 6973. you know, and there's no chance they're rounding that baby up. It's exactly what it is. And they're like, there you go, God. Matter of fact, a young adult Christian, some think they're mature, but they're really young adult Christians. They start saying, well, you know, I got college bills and I've got, you know, Christian school and I got this. And that should go for something and this and that. And they're working the game. And they're working the game and they think they're mature, but they're really working the game. Okay? And it's it's interesting that, that that young adult will sometimes all of a sudden hear about God blessing, and they'll hear, like, wait a minute, you're telling me if I give, God will give me more? Oh, this is awesome. All right. You know, and it's almost like, come on, Jesus, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's a young adult perspective. Now, now understand, here's the thing. God will bless you. I, I, honestly, he will bless you. He will take care of you. There's supernatural involved. He will bless you here and in the kingdom to come. He's going to bless you. That is for sure. There's no farmer in the world that would plant a seed and not expect more seeds to come from that seed. The, the law of sowing and reaping says more will come from what you sow. But a young adult giver, their heart is all about what they're gonna get. They're overconsumed with, I get, I get, I get. And so they're just giving and they're almost like hand is back out, ready to get more. Okay, that's a young adult giver. A mature giver understands that you can't outgive God and they're almost overwhelmed with the blessings of God. They're almost overwhelmed, like, they, they, This is amazing, God. As I give to you, you've given me more and now I'm responsible for it. And I can't believe that uh, I give and you take care of me and you bless me. And there's all these different things that are happening in my life. It's incredible, it's amazing. You're so good. And they sow and they reap, but they're almost overwhelmed with it. A mature believer understands that 10% is a starting point and looks for opportunities to give even more. And they're excited about this. A mature believer is like, If kingdom builder commitments are next week and you've asked us to pray about it, I am praying about it. I'm not going to show up and just kind of, all right, what do you want to throw a card in, all right? A mature believer says, all right, I get it. I get it. I'm here. God has blessed me. They look for opportunities to give. They don't have to be begged to give. A mature believer, and it doesn't mean you're rich either. 2 Corinthians uh, 8 talks about Paul and these poor believers and they're begging to give. They got it. They're like, we get it. We understand God's our source. We understand this. Even though we're poor, we're begging to give. We get it. This is under control. We are in with this. Whatever God's doing, we're in. A mature believer understands stewardship that God really owns it all, and they're just taking care of it, okay? So we see this in the Bible, that when people had an experience with God, something happened to their possessions, Old Testament, New Testament, always. Whenever somebody has an experience with God, something happens to the money, always. It always happens eventually in the process. In Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel, they're having a moment, they're offering something to God in an offering. Genesis 14, Abraham has a victory. He starts to offer a 10th of everything he makes to God. In Genesis 28, Jacob, after a moment, an experience with God, he's a God- 10% of what I have comes to you. Solomon in 1 Kings 3, he becomes king. He gets a special anointing. He has a greater experience with God. And immediately something happens with the money and with his possessions. And he does all sorts of sacrifices, way more than he needed to. And that's where God then blesses him. In Malachi chapter three, God's like, if something's gonna happen to you spiritually, you've got to bring back the tithe. Something's gonna happen to your money if you're gonna be right with me. The disciples in Mark 10, Peter's like, Jesus, we came to follow you. We had an experience with you. We left everything. We, we left the family business. We sold all to follow you. And Jesus is like, I'm taking care of you. I'll take care of you. You're laying up treasures here and treasures there. God takes notice of this. Believe me. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19, again, face-to-face with money, but he walks away without saying yes to Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, there's a man by the name of Cornelius who was an Italian guy, a Roman, that converts to following God. And this is what it says about him in verses 1 and 2. There's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And here's this guy. Roman guy that should have been not generous, that should have been oppressing the people, instead follows God and starts being generous to God. And if you don't know the story of the church, This guy is really the first Gentile that gets the message. He's the first one that got us in. The first one that the Gentiles, all of a sudden, the the Jewish people were like, hey, we've got to go to other people and bring the message. It was this guy, a generous giver, that was the first one that got in on it. God's like, I've got you, your money, that's part of it. Man, you're in, let's go. Timothy and Paul. Paul's saying, charge those rich in this present world, man, and not to trust in wealth. Man, it just can be gone. He's like, tell them to lay up treasures in heaven. If they're followers of God, something's gonna happen to their money. Paul's talking about supporting the church in Corinthians, and he talks about the Macedonian church, being eager to give. Do you get this? Over and over and over again, something happens, they give. Something happens, they give. Something happens, they start to tithe. Something happens, they go over and above. It's a, An encounter with God changes everything. You don't hold your wallet out of the water at baptism. How many know that? Some you are like, is that an option? <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. Now, here's the thing. I'm concerned with the lack of giving in the church, not our church, church, capital C. When I say capital C church, I mean the church around the world and specifically the church in the United States. I'm encouraged by the church, small C, River Valley Church of what I see going on, and I'll explain that to you for just a moment. Do you know that half of the Christian donors... Not half of Americans, half of Christian donors in America gave less than $500 to the church last year. Nationwide, in one of the most affluent countries, if not the most affluent country in the world, nationwide Americans, half of them gave less, of the Christians gave less than $500. I had a guy that prepares taxes come up to to me after one of the services and he goes, it's true. He goes, it's sad. He goes, it's true. When I see somebody that actually tithes, I just, I'm like, you're a Christian, hey. You know, and he's like, I couldn't tell from their tax returns where people are at. He said, it's really, really sad. Only 5% of Christians, not Americans, Christians gave more than $5,000 to the work of the Lord last year. Now understand the median income in Minnesota is $59,000. And yet less than 5% gave $5,000 or more to the work of the Lord. Only 5% of Christians, and that's a generous estimate, actually tithe. If you just look at born-again Christians, those that say they've said a prayer and made Jesus their Lord and Savior, a personal decision, not just that they were raised in the church, 12% tithe. Now, here's the thing where I'm encouraged about River Valley, but believe there's still so much more room. About 20% of our church tithes. How do we know that? Our business administrator uses a formula that he applies to the data and then comes to me every year and says, no names, but he says, hey, about this percentage of our church is tithing right now based on the formula and the software program that I ran on it, okay? Now that is doing exceptionally well across America. So good... So good that a magazine that goes out nationwide has asked me to write an article on why the giving has gone up. How can you have a generous church when a church is so young? How can the next generation grab a hold of it? How can Kingdom Builders work? So that's going to come out, I believe, somewhere around June. Because they're saying, what's going on at River Valley is absolutely amazing. It's going against the trend. We're not seeing this, and we want to know what's going on there. Can River Valley be an encouragement to the rest of the body of Christ? So I'm encouraged with what's going on here, but I keep thinking this. What would happen if we all did it? What would happen? I mean, if we're having record years and giving more and leading the nation and giving and doing all these things, what would happen if all of us got a hold of it? And all of a sudden, man, the church would be so well-funded. And I think that a weakened church, an under-resourced church, is a church that can't fulfill all of its goals. And I'm just praying, God, help us to fund your church. So what keeps us from doing it? What keeps us from doing it and going for it? Here's what I believe it is. It's the spirit of mammon. In Luke 16, 13, Jesus just gets done talking about the parable of the unjust steward and he says this: No servant can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, if your Bible translation says money or something else there, it's not right. The word that is there is mammon, and it's very clear that it needs to be mammon, because what Jesus was saying is there's a spirit that's on money, and you can't serve that spirit and God. He's like, you're going to need money to advance the kingdom of God, and you're either going to listen to what God says about it, or you're going to listen to what mammon says about it, and you cannot serve both. It's not going to work. Because the spirit of mammon, mammon was a a Syrian god that the Syrians worshipped in Babylon, Babylon, and that spirit was attached to money. Now, that spirit was attached to money way, way, way back before that. We'll see that in a minute. But the spirit of mammon that's on money says this, money is your security. And God's saying, I'm your security. The spirit of mammon says, you don't have enough. You need more money. The spirit of God says, you have enough. I am everything you need. The spirit of mammon says, you need to keep up with the Joneses. You need a bigger, a stronger, a better, a faster, a whatever. And the spirit of God says, you have enough. Leverage that for the kingdom of God. The Spirit of Mammon says, buy yourself out of the problem, medicate the problem. You need money to fix your problems. The Spirit of God says, you need to repent. You need to be obedient, and you will be able to have those problems solved. You know, we believe that the Spirit of Mammon is so strong that we do something here at River Valley called Financial Peace University. It breaks the spirit of mammon and it's gonna be starting all throughout this series in life groups. If you go to our website and you go to the life groups page, you'll see Financial Peace University classes started. Why? Because it will help you break the spirit of mammon It'll help you break that credit card debt. People get out from underneath the oppression of the spirit of mammon in all that credit card debt. They start to do wise decisions with their finances. They honor God with the tithe and they do these things and they get out from underneath it. And if you are in trouble financially, by all means do it. We have all of our staff go through this because I want them to be positioned in strength as they move forward financially. But if you have an encounter with God, what happens is... It's clear over and over again, it starts with the tithe. It starts with the tithe. It starts with the tithe. And I know that the young adult believer tries to look for the loophole. Wait a minute, New Testament, this and that and all that. And so I've really dedicated my research to looking at this. And I'm gonna tell you this. Paul, when he writes in Corinthians... He talks about the church being supported and the pastors being taken care of. And the reference that he uses is the Old Testament example of people bringing the tithe so that the priest would be taken care of. And so he's using the example back there to support what God's doing in the early church. And if you look, the tithe was endorsed. It was encouraged. And here's something to know. Irenaeus was an early church father. Follow me. Some of you like glaze over with history, but Irenaeus was an early church father. He was a pastor in the church. He was discipled by Polycarp, who was discipled by John, the apostle John. So we've got John, Polycarp, Irenaeus. I mean, really close in the original disciples. And Irenaeus said, of course the church will tithe. Of course we'll do it. Matter of fact, we're going way beyond the tithe. He said, those of us that have experienced grace and the goodness of God, we have so much more. We have a better deal. We're going to go way beyond the tithe. Of course we'll do this. And so if that's what they were saying back then, why have we allowed a subtle like, no, you don't want to do that. No. that. Do you think that's the spirit of mammon talking or the spirit of God that says don't support the church? Right. Which one says don't give? I think that's the spirit of mammon saying, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And so we start with a tithe, and we bring the first tenth to the local church. We bring that in, and we give it. I can tell you this. Back and I, when we get our paychecks, we do the very first check right to the church. I mean, it's exciting to be able to give it. We do tithe, kingdom builders, and missions. We give all that right away, and I can tell you this. It's exciting to give. We are overjoyed to give. We're delighted to give and we do it and we are like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Matter of fact, we've gone way beyond that 10% and we'll talk about that in future weeks. But I'm telling you what, the spirit of mammon is found early in Cain and Abel. In Genesis four, I don't have time to read it, but I'll just tell you this. In the first offering, in the very first offering, we see the spirit of mammon. Very first offering, Cain and Abel. Abel's like, God, you get the first tenth. It says he gave from his firstborn. He gave the best of his flocks. He's like, God, you get the best the very first. Cain, like, showed up at the offering and was like, oh, yeah, I got to give something to God. All right, I've got some rotten radishes there. We'll give him those and we'll give him that. And it says Cain just kind of threw some up there to God. Abel was like, God, you're everything. You're everything. And you know what? You know why God did not accept Cain's offering? because it was a token offering. And God does not accept a token offering. God does not enjoy that. God says, "I will be everything to you. I'm your everything. I want you to with joy to understand who I am and what I mean to you and bring me the best. Bring me, show me that you're there, that my heart, that your heart and my heart are the same in this." Let me illustrate this. How many know that when you're a single guy, the thought of buying a diamond ring is like, "What?" i got to buy a diamond ring someday for who's going to marry me. Can't she just like a cubic zirconia? (laughs) What about plastic? Isn't that good too, you know? Then you have an encounter with that right person. And all of a sudden you're like, how much does it need to be? I'm in. I want to do this. I've had an encounter. If you don't have that feeling, don't get married. I'm just saying, all right, Yeah. (laughs) like I want to do whatever I can. I want to do the very best that I can. I want to show you that my heart is with you. God does not accept being an afterthought. God does not accept leftovers. God is saying, I'll be first. The spirit of mammon says, give God what's left over. Spirit of God says, put me first. Tell you what, why 10%? It's big enough to get our attention. And it's interesting, 10%, the number 10 is a biblical number that represents completeness and fullness 10%, 10%, when you give 10%, that's saying, God, I'm giving you everything. Remember, if you gave them 100% everything, somebody else would have to buy you your groceries and do all that stuff. You'd have to live with somebody else. So he's saying, give me the 10% and show me that you really have given me everything in your life. Now live on the 90 and we'll deal with that later. And he will speak to you about over and above offerings and other things. But 10 is completeness and fullness all throughout the bible and when you do that you're saying god you have everything you have all i own when you don't do 10 you're saying i own it so who owns it if you've had an encounter with god do you own it or does he own it and i just think it could be just me i mean i know there's a lot of people that think this way but like okay you give your life to jesus christ you really believe in eternity afterlife supernatural You believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and has forgiven you of your sins and has promised you a place in heaven. And then when it comes to money, you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, if God's saying, start with 10, I'm like, that's it? I get to keep 90? I get to keep 90 and you only want 10 to start with? That's That's a really good deal, the way I see it. If I believe in the mission, if I believe in the cause, 10% will fund the work of the Lord. How many know that if, again, if all of us tithed, the amount of millions of dollars that River Valley Church would have every year more if we all tithe, it's it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. The church would be the most powerful institution on the planet if everyone did that. Now here's, uh, just let me talk to this about giving to the local church for just a moment. I know for the younger generation, they're like, I want to give wherever I want to give. I don't want to do a little here, a little there, a little here, a little bit there, and all that. And I think that uh, a lot of people don't want to bring it to the local church and do this. When you bring it to the local church, it brings us together as a community. It supports what God is doing. And if I can illustrate this for you, for those of you in the younger generation, it's like Kickstarter. How many are familiar with Kickstarter? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand if you're familiar with Kickstarter. All right, Kickstarter is this. It's a website where people say, I've got a great idea. I'm gonna let you know about this great idea. I think my idea could be good, revolutionary, could change the world, could help a lot of people, but it's my idea, and I think it's good. I want you guys to come to the website and take a look at it. If you believe in it, let's pool our money together and do something that we couldn't do if we all just went our own different ways, and let's pool our resources together and do these things. And 50,000 projects have been funded that way through Kickstarter. The local church is like Kickstarter. You bring it to the local church and then we say together, guess what? We can do youth ministry and kids ministry and this ministry. We can do that outreach event. We can do that. We can build that church. We can dig that well. We can send those kids. We can support 170 different missionaries. We can do these projects. We can go around the world. Do you see what's happening? And we're saying, guess what? I believe in this and together let's us do this together. And that's why we do it together in the local church. Two last things. It's clear that when we give the tithe, it activates the supernatural. Malachi 3, 10 through 12 talks about it. God says, if you do this, watch, I'll pour out blessings on you. Luke six thirty eight says, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'm just telling you something. God works in the supernatural. And I would rather have 90% left over and say, God, work in the supernatural than have 100% and say, I'll do it on my own. Just me. I don't need supernatural help. I just need my help. No, I don't want to do that i want to say god i will activate the supernatural and honor you and here's the other thing last thing i'll close with it stretches your faith many of you are in second chair and you need to be moved over third chair you need to be moved over and it stretches your faith to honor god with the tithe and i thought of this illustration with our liquid series there's a story about a traveler that was thirsty and dying of thirst and he needed something to drink and he came across a pump and a well and he found a note there and it said dear stranger This water pump is in working condition, but the pump needs to be primed in order for the water to come out. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun. There's enough water in the jar to prime the pump, but not if you drink any first. When you're finished, please fill the jar and put it back as you found it for the next stranger who comes this way. How many know that if you're thirsty and you've got a little bit here and you look like, okay, do I trust that if I pour this out, It'll work. It'll, do I trust what it says or am I just going to drink it? How many know when it comes to tithing, the Spirit of God says, trust me, there's more where that came from. Trust me. If you put the 10 in, it's like prime in the pump. Trust me. There's more where that came from. But the Spirit of Mammon says, drink it. You can't trust him. You got a cup full of water. You're dying of thirst. Drink it. Take it for yourself. And God's like, trust me. Trust me. Prime the pump. Activate the supernatural. Activate the faith. Will you believe that there's more where that came from? And my prayer is that we'll do that because if we do that, there's enough for us and there's enough for others and there's enough for others. How many know that when you start to tithe, all of a sudden things happen and there's more for you, there's more for others. You're able to be a kingdom builder. It just primes and activates a whole new level. And I'm just praying, if you're in that spot, activate your faith and say, God, I trust you. The spirit of mammon is screaming at me. Hold it, but I will listen to the whisper of God that says, trust me. So Lord God, I pray that we would do that. The spirit of mammon is so strong and we rebuke that spirit of mammon that says money is what we need. Money is our security. We're gonna take care of ourselves. We can't trust God. If we give him the 10, we'll have way too little left. The spirit of mammon is screaming, buy it, charge it, go into debt, keep up with those other people. Money will fix your problems. We rebuke that spirit of mammon. And we say, God, we will honor you. We will honor you with the tithe. We'll work together. We'll support what you're doing. We will kickstart the local church and move it forward. We will move it forward because we believe in the mission and the cause. We believe that you changed our lives. And we will honor you with the tithe. God, I pray for faith. I pray for faith to rise up. The people would see if they will trust you with that, there'll be more. You will take care of them your word is true thank you God thank you for the obedience on the church thank you that we are right now leading the way but I pray we'd not be content staying there there's still too much good to be done there's still too many people that need to move to that next level because money is just a small little thing God there are prophetic gifts you want to release in them there are callings to the mission field you want to release. There are gifts of healing you want to release. There's all sorts of things that need faith to be activated. And God, I pray that it would be simple obedience of faith and finances that would open the doors to so many other things. Thank you, God. Blessing on your church as we are obedient with the tithe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.